0: This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. 2 Timothy 3.16, and um, it, is, it is not a small thing to us. To my wife and I and to our team to have uh, pastors and leaders of your caliber to be with us tonight. And we pray that you will leave here better than you came. You know, we say this at church, you know, that we we pray that people will leave better than you came. But I I believe that you're going to leave this pastor's gathering. I pray with a greater measure of faith, with some inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Kevin Lewis, that you leave with some excitement about what God's doing in your life. And I'll, I'll, I'll never forget my first pastor's gathering that I ever went to. It was in uh, Kirkland, Washington at the city church. And someone invited me to go to a pastor's gathering just like this. We sat in, in tables and I'll never forget it was, I think it was the first time I ever saw Pastor Judah preach in person. And uh, they gave us a lunch and we all ate kind of like this. And and uh, Pastor Judah, I'll never forget, he walked in with green pants. I remember of that day, his green pants. He preached out of Psalm 23. But I remember the moment at the end when we prayed. We're going to pray at the end of tonight. And I remember they asked the interns to come around. And I don't know who the intern was, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they laid hands on my shoulder, I felt the Holy Spirit come over me. And I left that meeting better. I left that meeting with a bigger world. Met some new friends. I met one of my friends, Wes Dunn, that day. Met a lot of the pastors at the city church that day. I think probably met your father that day. And I hope that today you'll remember tonight. Say, there was something special about the room there was so there was something in the air I want to give you tonight you write down the title I want to talk to you about 10 things every pastor needs 10 things every pastor needs and I know that we are all aware I feel like Paul Paul says I cannot believe that God chose me and he put me into the ministry and the way that I see it is you did not choose ministry ministry chose you Anybody thankful tonight that this was not your idea? Come on, anybody thankful this was God's idea? Come on, anybody thankful God God saw fit to place you in the ministry. No higher calling in the world, no greater position on the planet. You and I get to shepherd the flock, we get to feed the sheep, we get to be those that are watchmen on the wall. I don't know about you, but I don't look at my role as a small thing. It's a big deal to be used by God. It's a big deal to have the call of God on your life. I hope that you're comfortable and you are feeling tonight. I know I'm not perfect. I know I don't have the answers, but one thing is true. I'm called by God. God put the call of God on me God put his hand on me God called me out of the darkness into the light Paul says hey, this is unbelievable I was the worst of the worst the most sinful person and yet God to prove to the world that if God could use someone like me God could for sure use somebody like you and there's a bunch of us in the room that are we're walking examples that if God can p- use people like us that don't know how to do CrossFit, <laughs> then he can use anybody. And I, I pray that you would, you would feel that tonight, that wow, this is a holy thing. It's not a common thing. We're not limping and struggling through the ministry. We're honored to be in it, so we serve with a, with a sense of grace. We serve with a sense of excitement and and, um, I, I, you know, I don't know if you grow, grow, uh, grew up in a pastor's home, but, but Julia, uh, she comes from a pastor's home. Her father is an unbelievable pastor. He's going to preach at our church on Father's Day. I'm so excited. Pastor Bob McGregor. Come on, give it up for Julia's dad. You, you ain't heard a pastor preach till you heard my father-in-law. My father-in-law like, talks like this. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Pastor Bob McGregor, huh? City Harvest Church. I want to give you a word from God tonight like he's unbelievable you just you can't make this stuff up right you can't make it up it's good to be at Zoe tonight it's big he's like I do this because like he lifts weights still he does CrossFit he still does it but uh and then and then and, and my dad who does not do CrossFit for sure my dad is a pastor and and I just I grew up around church anybody grow up in church like, I know Bo Flores, good friend of ours from Pasadena, is, is, is his dad's an unbelievable. Pastor Robert Flores is an unbelievable pastor. We grew up in this stuff, man. Just grew up going to camps and conferences and prayer meetings and youth group and children's church. And anybody grow grew up in church, like, we grew up in this thing. And one of the things I loved about growing up as a pastor's kid is my dad, it's what he does for a living now, my dad was always ministering to pastors. If I can be quite honest, my dad is not the most prolific communicator. His grace is really pastor's. So what he does today. He serves pastors, help pastors. If they're falling, he's, I'll never forget this one time, a good friend of our, 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 family. He just, he, he blew up his church and he made so many mistakes and he this, that, and the other, and the board ran him out. And, and my dad, this is so classic. My dad, my dad drove, he used to drive this big old yellow nasty pickup truck. My dad drove two hours to his house. The guy was just, he was depressed. He felt awful. My dad pretty much picked him up, put him in his truck. They went to the movies. They saw a movie. They did what no man of God should should do they didn't pay for the second one but they still went to the second one it's not righteous but it was a great second movie and my dad in his way just served this pastor and just at the end of two movies said hey you're gonna be all right God's still for you it's nothing God can't redeem nothing God can't restore I grew up in a home that ministered to pastors yeah, I watched it. I, it was modeled for me. I want to, I want to tonight just in the, even the spirit of, of Julie and I in our family, our inheritance, our heritage. I want to serve you tonight, but just, d- let me just tell you 10 things every pastor needs. Here's the first thing right down Number one, you need an ear. You need an ear. And, and what I, what I mean by that is you, you need someone you can process. Your life with the the ministry it it, it it is not the most easy job in the whole world. We can we can acknowledge that, but now let me just ask you: Who are you talking to? Who do you process your journey with? Because there is something about having a confidant. There is something about having someone that you can you can let out your frustration. And there nothing worse than a pastor that's processing the right thing with the wrong person. This will get you into trouble. This will get you. Bad advice. Remember, the Bible says there is wisdom that comes from above and wisdom that comes from below. The wisdom that's from below, it's sensual, it's demonic, it's divisive. Don't you go getting the wrong wisdom. You got to be talking to the right person, having the right. Do you have anyone in your world that can handle your fury? I remember you reading years ago, Pastor Wayne Cordero, he's so unbelievable. I encourage you to read every Pastor Wayne Cordero book. And I remember him writing years ago about this, this theory, this concept of having lightning rods in your life. And he talked about a lightning rod as someone, you know, they put a lightning rod in the, on, on top of a building, this high rod, so that in case of lightning, when that lightning strikes... It can handle the lightning and it won't destroy the structure. It won't ruin the building. I wonder how many pastors have destroyed their team, destroyed the morale, destroyed the momentum because you didn't air out with the right person. You need an ear in your world. You need someone that you can talk to and process with. And, and by the way, most of the times you need an ear in your house. There is nothing worse than a pastor that is journeying with people they're not building with. The person you're not building with doesn't know half the story. They don't know the details. They don't know the ramifications. They don't know the personalities. They don't know what the person, person was saying. You need to be on the journey. Have an ear in the house. Just, just talking to you tonight about having a friend. Have, and by the way, all of us were going, yeah, woo, I want that ear, man. Please, you know, I just need somebody. You know what? Before you get in you here, you ought to be in here. People ought to, in your world, trust you they ought to accuse you of being a vault you tell them it ain't never getting out you talk to them about it it doesn't ever get repeated i always find all pastors want loyalty few pastors give loyalty and the way you give away your loyalty is you become trustworthy you say i can be an ear to you I was talking to a pastor earlier today. He said, "Pray for me." I'm getting ready to talk to this guy. He's this big lawyer and one of the biggest givers in the church. And da da da. And and, and this man has made an egregious mistake and has it just came out for 20 years. Then I said, "Well, what are you going to do?" He said, "I'm going to go listen to him." I thought, "Isn't that amazing?" He's going to go be an ear, and he has ears in his world because he is one. You can never separate sowing and reaping. So if you want an ear, you got to be an ear. Somebody say amen. Number two, you need a voice. You need a voice in your world. Not just someone that can listen to you, but let me ask you. Do you have anybody in your world talking to you? Anybody that's a voice? I have learned in the ministry as a pastor. I have voices that know they're a voice in my life. I have pastors and voices in my world that have no idea they're a voice in my life. I remember I used to go listen. I know I, I talked about Pastor Wayne and I'll use him tonight a few times, but Pastor Wayne made such an impression on my early years of ministry because I allowed him to be a voice in my life when I had no connection or communication with him. He was shaping my theology, he was shaping my ministry, he was shaping my communication, and he had no idea he was doing it. Can I just ask you, do you have voices in your world from a distance and voices in your world that are close to you? They know what's going on. They They can talk to you about behavior. I was reading this morning, I thought this was so brilliant! This was so I'd never seen this before. I was reading in our read-through. We were in First Kings chapter one. First Kings chapter one. Remember, David had had some sons, but remember Adonijah. It said that Adonijah he was a good-looking kid, but it said Adonijah it, when it, when it, when it, David's old, we got to anoint the next king. Who's it going to be? You know, we hope that it's going to be this kid, but this other kid wants it so bad. It said Adonijah was good-looking, and no one ever corrected him. So you know what he went out and did? We read it this morning. He went out and he anointed himself king. He didn't invite any of the the David, his father's trusted men. Why? Because he walked around because he didn't have a voice in his life. Do you have anybody saying, don't you better knock that off? Don't, don't you act that way. No, that kind of thinking is going to get you in trouble. Don't, don't you be in a social setting and talk trash about somebody behind their back. That, that was gossip. Wait, wait, wait. What, let, let me talk to you. I always find that I am thankful that God has given voices into my world. My pastor can speak into my life. The elders of our church can speak into my life. But you know who speaks the most into my life and sounds the most like the Holy Spirit? My wife can speak into my life. And I always find that God is loudest. Through her voice. I can see her saying amen. But, 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 the, but the reality is. Is that we have so many people. That get in the ministry. And develop bizarre behavior. That's a bizarre thing. To be like I'm going to be the king. I'm going to annoy myself. That is really weird behavior. And you, have you ever met a pastor. Where their behavior is bizarre. Don't act like you don't know these people. And it's like, did you have no voice in your world that was telling you, I don't think that that is the smartest way to handle this situation. I don't think that maybe we should behave that way. You need ears in your in your life. But, you know, you don't need you don't need. Yes, men. You need people around you with a backbone that can call you out, that can call you on the carpet, that not only this is not just for correction, but I've got voices in my world that speak wisdom, speak faith. I talked to, to Jake here, his father today, Pastor Jude, and I told him we were doing, you know, the pastor's gathering, and he starts speaking life, and he starts, he's a voice in my life. He's telling me this, is, you know what, you ought to do it this way, and you ought to do, this, and I listen, and, and he asked me today about something we I brought up the last conversation. He goes, I want to follow up about this situation what did you do and i said here's the update on it but i promise you i'll do this by this day and he's a voice in my life he's not just hearing what i have to say he's speaking into the situation i wonder do you pastor do you have anybody in your life that you can say they're a voice not one voice but let's go bible there is wisdom in the multitude of counselors you ever notice how people get weird when they get addicted to one voice don't, don't be a pastor when you listen to one person. I hear God through one, one human, one orator, one preacher, one style, one house. I'm, last time I checked, we are the body of Christ. God can speak through ears and feet and hands and eyeballs. Come on, anybody in my preaching tonight understands that we need ears, but we need voices. Write down, number three. I love this one. We need a Bible. Ha! It is so hard to do this job without a B-I-B-L-E. And I just, I want to encourage you. I don't know what your passion for this book looks like, but I'll tell you, I love this book. This book, let's go some old sayings for a moment. We don't study this book. It studies us. This thing right here, I'm telling you, 2 Timothy 3.16, put up this scripture just for a moment. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Can I just, all the preachers in the house, let me tell you something. If it's in the Bible, you can use it. Because all scripture is the inspiration of God. All scripture is the inspiration of God and is profitable for for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? Go to the next verse. So that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It is so hard to do a good work of God without having a Bible. I love the word of God. Anybody else? i just tell you right now, I would rather read my Bible than preach the Bible. I'd rather sit there and read this thing and gather its fragrances and all of its spices. And I'd rather I'd rather be I'd rather be a Mary than a Martha. Anybody else? I think I think what happens is is we get so busy in the ministry, don't we? And a a lot of a lot of us pastors, we read the Bible like this. We read the Bible on Saturday to get a word. And, And what I find so often is a lot of us, we read the Bible Like this. And and, and i just tell you right now, if you really want to know the heart of God. If you really want to know Jesus. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because you think this and it's wrong. These things point to me. I don't read the Bible to quote scripture. I don't read the Bible to preach messages. I don't read the Bible to sound smart. Knowledge puffs up. Love edifies. I don't read the Bible to do anything other than know Jesus Christ. Come on, anybody agree with that? We need a Bible so we can know Jesus. That is our intent. That is our approach. We are not reading this so I can tweet something. I'm not reading this so I can text something. I'm not reading this for a blog or a post. I'm reading this because I need it as a man. I need it as a husband. I need it as a father. I need it for my life. This is man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What did he say to Joshua? He said, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in this. How often? Day and night. And then what's the result of it? Then you'll be prosperous because you've observed all that I've written in it. And then you will have good success. How can we have successful ministries without studying the word of God? How can we build successful teams if we don't study the Bible? The Bible has all the answers. Let's go to Hebrews just for a moment. How about Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12? The word of the Lord is alive and it's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the bone and the marrow. It separates the soul and the spirit. It exposes us for who we really are. Come on, anybody thankful today. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There's something about the Bible jeremiah said when i got this thing in my heart i couldn't even hold it it became inside of me like a burning fire i'll tell you you will get up with so much authority ready to preach if the word is in you we're not preaching recycled sermons we're not preaching old theology old thinking old no it's a new wine skin for a new day in a fresh word in a fresh season come on am i preaching to anybody tonight that loves the bible Something about the Bible. I pray you leave. If you leave here with anything, you leave excited to read your Word tomorrow. How can we stand against the schemes of the devil? We put on the full armor of God. We stand with the helmet and the and the belt, and we stand with the the, the feet of the gospel of peace on our feet, and and all. The, and I've got a, a, a shield of faith. How about you? But I'm telling you, if we're gonna fight, we're gonna throw some punches. Come on, we. Amen. If, if we're going to fight, we're going to throw some punches. And we've got to take the sword of the Spirit and start quote. I love when they tempted Jesus in Luke chapter 4. It said every time they tempted Him, He quoted Scripture. He quoted Deuteronomy three times. He had the Word in you. Do you have a Word ready? Do you have a Word in your heart? Do you have a Word in this season? Come on, you've got to get in the Word of God. Come on, somebody, one more time. Thank God for the gift of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Scriptures that teach us who they are. Write down point uh, number four. You need a pastor. Ten things every pastor needs. Number four, you need a pastor. I I learned this from my pastor. My pastor is a guy named Judas Smith. I think he's the best pastor in the world. I'm honored to call him my pastor. The fact that he would oversee our church and our lives is unbelievable to me because I think everyone ought to respect and admire their pastor that way. And I, I esteem my pastor. I honor my pastor. And I learned from him, maybe it was his father, pastor window that would say, every pastor needs a pastor. Yeah. I love this verse. Go to Hebrews 13 and watch what it says here in Hebrews 13. It says, remember those who, gosh, I love this. This is beautiful language here. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith, that's who we're following, consider the outcome of their conduct. Can I just ask you, does anybody rule over you? Are you under anybody's authority? Because the older I get, the more comfortable I feel under authority. There's safety here. I would hate to be outside on my own, do my own thing. I'm my own man. I'm my own boss. I'm my own pastor. We're, we're, don't Even if you're non-denominational, find a pastor. You know, the pastors I respect the most are always going back to honoring their pastor. Isn't this something? Pastor Brian Houston, who by our stretch might have built the greatest church in the history of the world. I mean, just it's not ending, right? This thing God's doubling down because God doesn't stop moving when you allow him to keep when you're pioneering. And um, in an amazing, Pastor Brian, he doesn't need to be a part of a network or a denomination. He doesn't need to put his church under any authority. But in his wisdom, maybe it's why so many pastors are attracted to him. He's a man under authority. He's still a part of the Assemblies of God in, the, in, in Australia. Still submits to people higher than him. Still sends a tithe check to tithe into that denomination. He's under authority. I, I, I love Pastor Chris Hodges. 80,000 people for Easter. Eighty thousand people for and all he does get up. Eighty thousand people for Easter, All he can do is brag about his pastor, Pastor Larry Stockstill. There's something attractive about a person that just flourishes under authority, just, just, just values it. Says, "I love my." Do you love authority? Most of us don't love authority because you've been in a church or under a leader that has abused authority. Can I encourage you? That is not all pastors. That is not all leaders. And God has a pastor for you. He does. I believe it. I believe he does. He's got a pastor for you. He's got a pastor for you. He's He's out there. And don't you settle. It's like marriage. Don't you settle. You can date around, go out on first date. No, no, thank you. Because when you sign up for a pastor, don't ever get out of it. That was my pastor for two years, but then I found a better pastor. What? That is not God. God doesn't work like that. We're talking about spiritual inheritance. We're talking about your spiritual family. Every pastor needs a pastor. I just ask you, who's your pastor? If you don't have one, start asking God for one. Start believing. I remember for years, I went without really saying, I I just didn't feel at home or I feel at rest or didn't feel right. I'll never forget. Let me just be honest for a moment. I was at Hillsong Conference. A lot of stuff was going on in our world. And Julia and I were having to make some big decisions about our future. And I stood in a line. My pastor was three people down. And the Holy Spirit said, that's your pastor. You're with him for life. I started to weep. Not because of what God said, but because I finally found a pastor. And take your time. Take your time. Because it's a big deal. And I believe that God will put a blessing on your life because you make the decision to have a pastor. Come on, let's give it up for all the pastors that we already call pastors. Amen. Are you being encouraged tonight? Write down number five. You need an apron. What in the An apron? Ever, yeah. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Is this for everybody? Like, you need an apron. Let me just explain what I mean by that. John chapter 13. Watch what it says here about Jesus. This is the last supper. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was about to go back to God, he rose from the supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel and with which he was girded. The message translation said he got up and grabbed, took off his robe and grabbed an apron. In other words, pastor, our job is to be the biggest servant in the church. I I don't want you to ever live or build your life trying to have people that serve, but we don't serve. No, no, no. Let's go Bible. The greatest of all in this God math is the servant of all. The 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 first or the most honor is actually the least of these. Our job we are not in a business of looking for servants. We're looking to outserve everybody. We're looking to set the culture, set the tone, set the mood, set the pace, set the, 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 the fragrance in the house of serving. I hope that you would have in your home and in your church a servolution. That you ought to have the attitude, nobody's going to outserve me. And it's not about work ethic. It's about spirit and attitude. It's about the decision. Jesus, he didn't see. Why? He was so secure. I always find insecure pastors, it's so difficult for them to serve, and they always demand being served. They do the same things that other pastors that don't have an off spirit about it, but they think this is what this is what success is. It looks this way. It's got to be in this. I've got to be me. I, I'm in, it's insulating. I've got to have I've got to protect. No one can get close. This is this is I've 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 worked hard to get here. Worked hard to get where? Because I serve if my serving looks different. But it's the same spirit and the same attitude as an apron. I I just, I pray that would be in your world. That would be in your heart. That would be in your passion. That would be in your vein. You would love to serve. I don't know about you, but I love serving God. I'm not just serving a house. I'm not just serving a man. My work is unto the Lord. Let's go Colossians for one moment. Do everything wholeheartedly as unto who? Under the Lord. Let's go Psalm for one, just, just for one moment. Serve the Lord with gladness. There ain't nothing worse than someone serving with a bad attitude. Someone serving with a martyr spirit. I'm serving, oh God, just the weight of this thing. Oh, geez, it's just, oh, serving so, so many hours, just... No, we're serving God because it's a privilege. We're serving God because it's an honor. Come on, put your apron on. And I just, I tell you, if you struggle with insecurity, you're never going to get up from the table. Never going to take off your robe. Never going to wash nobody's feet because you're above it. And let's just go quotes for one moment. I love these quotes, right? If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. Just the reality. As soon as you become up to, I'm above serving. Really? Jesus goes, guys, he sits back down. He gets, puts his robe back on. He goes, guys, you, you call me teacher and master, right? Yeah. Like in other words, he's just acknowledging. Just, I'm about to hit, hit you with something pretty powerful. So I want to make sure we're on the same page. You know my identity, right? They go, yeah, we call you teacher. And he goes, if I can do it. Guys, I just set an example. You should do it. Do the people in your church feel like, man, I love the way they serve. I love the attitude of their serving. I love the spirit of their serving. I love the they make serving look good. I'll, I'll, Pastor Brian will always say, is your spirituality attractive? We could, we could make that synonymous with, is your serving attractive? Are you serving God in a way that people go like, I want to be on the team because they look like they're having fun. I want to serve all day and be at church from 7 in the morning to 11 p.m. Because they look like they're having more fun than me. No one's going to have more fun than us. I may have an apron on. It may look weird, but you're not having more fun than me. Come on, somebody put your hands together and thank God. if you got, You're willing to have an apron. What number are we on? Six? Number six. We're going to go a little bit faster. I don't want to keep you here all night. We've got you know, some, some treats here. Come on. Uh, number six, uh, a vision. You need to have a vision. A vision. Every pastor needs to have a vision. You can write this down. It's so easy to follow a leader with direction. It's like, listen, do you know where this bus is going? Do you know where we're headed? The team's going in this direction? Because you've got to get vision. Vision doesn't come from conferences. Vision doesn't come from podcasts. Now, wait a minute, I'm listening to a podcast, God can give it to me. I can go to a conference and be in the atmosphere of faith, God will give it to me. But but God is the vision giver. I've always loved Proverbs 29. Put it on the screen. Proverbs 29: Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Where there's no revelation, other translations say where there's no prophetic vision. Come on, some prophetic vision. I'm talking about prophetic vision. You can't stop writing down. I know Jabin's got prophetic vision right now. I know yo, you got prophetic vision right now for San Diego people. Do you got prophetic vision from God? God showed me this image. I believe God speaks in dreams. God speaks in pictures. God will show you an image. God is the vision giver. You got vision for your future, vision for your family, vision for your life. I'm, I'm, you gotta be just—it just, it, it just oozes out of you. When you got vision, you can't help but talk about it with everybody. Did I tell you what God told me? Did I, t- did, I t- did, I t- did I tell you what He showed me? Did I tell you what we're gonna do? Because you're bursting with vision. Ain't nothing worse than you haven't heard from this pastor or leader him share any vision in quite some time. We're living off old vision. God spoke that three years ago. What's God saying now? What's the vision for today? Do you have a Do you have a picture of it? Do you have a Do you have a, Do you have vision in your spirit? I gotta get into the things of God. I gotta get around God, and I've gotta ask God. God, give me a picture of where you're taking us. I remember before we came to LA, I could see it. I could see. I didn't know it was the L Ray, but I could see in my mind. I could I could see our church. I could. But you know what? I got so much vision for campuses. Oh, don't make me preach on my vision. I got vision for, for music that we're going to record. I got vision for dorm rooms and Bible colleges. I'm obsessed with vision. Do you see what the Bible says? When you have vision, it keeps restraint in your life. Translation, you're going to get up in the morning. You're going to eat healthy. You might do some exercises. You'll read your Bible. You will have a restrained life and a restrained tongue if you got vision. Take out the vision and loose living comes in. See what I'm saying? Vision solves a whole plethora of problems in your world. Ain't nothing worse than a spouse that's trying like, I wish my spouse would get some vision. I wish, I wish. No, your spouse ought to feel, man, I, this guy can't keep him home. Can't keep her home. She's going so hard and working. And babe, the, the vision will come to pass. God spoke it. God spoke it. But you've got a glorious obsession with a glorious vision. Every pastor needs a vision. Write down the next one. And I, I believe they, they, they go right in, in hand. Number seven, a word. So you need a vision. And sometimes these, these go hand in hand. You need a word. I'm talking about a word from God. A word in season. A word to stand on. When we, when we, I, I, let me just say this. Before we came down to L.A. to launch our church, I had vision, 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 vision. Guess what I didn't have? A word. Sometimes God's going to give you a vision. Won't happen for a decade. Talk to someone today said we've been on a 12 year journey. That's vision. God gave Joseph a vision. Didn't happen for a long time. Don't you move without a word. There's a difference between a vision and a word. I have vision, vision, L.A. Everybody I talk to, where are you would What's your future? I'm going to L.A. I'm going to L.A. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to L.A. I'm going to L.A. Why? I got vision. Do you got a word? Nope, not yet. I'm in, a, I'm in a church service, and, and, and I know I'm, I mentioned Pastor Jensen before, but I'm in this church service, and Pastor Jensen gets up. We're in El Paso, Texas, and he gets up and preaches. Only Jensen Franklin can preach out of Ezekiel, and it just is unbelievable. This is the greatest message I've ever heard. He preached this message called Plop. I'll never forget it. He gets up, and he talked about how, how in the middle of Australia, in the outback, it started to rain fish in the outback of Australia. And he even showed clips from National Geographic. What happened was there was like a tsunami in Asia and it sucked up all these fish. And by the time this thing got done, it dropped the fish off in the middle of the outback of Australia. And his whole thing was, if God's chosen you, it doesn't matter where you live. If God wants to plop a blessing. Come on, so many churches, we think it's got to be in this city. It's got to be in this building. Come on, somebody thank God that God can plop his hand of provision on your life. I'm preaching Jensen stuff and it's working right now. Don't tell him I said it. I'm sitting in the front row. I'm weeping. I'm like, oh my gosh. He said, three things are going to pop in your life. Number one, salvations. Number two, miracles. Number three, resources. He started talking about how God gave him buildings. Plop, buildings. Miracles of money. Plop, miracle of money. Plop, salvations. He's preaching and I'm telling you for the first time I go, oh my gosh, I've got a word. I, I was so arrested by this word. I don't. Afterwards, he came, sat down, and said, Pastor Jensen, you just have to know that was a word for me. He looked at me, he's so fiery with the Holy Ghost. He says, Son, I know it was a word for you because the whole time I was preaching, the Holy Ghost said it is for you. He lays his hands on me. He starts praying in the Spirit. I start weeping. I bend over. He bends over. He says, I, have to, uh, I give you double the amount that I've ever had. You know how easy it was to come back to seattle and sit with my pastor judah and say i have a word i had vision but now i've got a word i'm talking about a ramah word a word in season a season from god a season to stand on marching orders don't you move your ministry and move your life and navigate your world without a word from god and there are these mountaintop words that shift our whole world. And then there's words like this morning. That word, First Kings chapter 1, I gave it to someone earlier today on FaceTime. Someone else texted me in the afternoon dealing with something. I'll get, wow, Psalm 90 this morning. This fits right in what you need. I had a word in season. I had a word today for people in my world. Going off the word of God. I don't want to give away a bunch of bumper sticker quotes. Let's let people build their lives on the Bible, on a word. Number, number nine, sorry, number eight, a heart after God. Oh, I just, if I could preach any point tonight, I hope that you understand this one. This is so important because I tell you, pastors that are so dynamic and powerful are just pastors that are in love with Jesus. I tell you, your church—they will—they'll be okay with you not being the smartest or the funniest or the coolest or the fact that you can't do this, that, or the other. Just that they can tell. I know he loves Jesus. I can tell she's in love with Jesus. You cut them open and they're Jesus people. We are not in love with the mission of God as much as we are in love with God. Anybody, you're in love with God tonight? Just love Jesus. I I, I, come on. I want to be louder than that. If you're in love with Jesus, we're Jesus people. A heart, what did it say? God was so excited because finally, he said, I found this guy, David, and he's a man after my, I love this guy. He's a man after my own heart. What was it? Was it his worship? Was it his loyalty? What is his devotion? Was it his heart to serve? What was it? But God saw his heart, not his gifting, not his fruit from his ministry, not how hard he worked, just his heart. Could God be satisfied with your ministry based upon your heart? Could you wow God with your heart? Because I want to be a man that just God looks and goes, oh, he doesn't get it right. And he's just weird. And this whole accent is where is he from? But he loves me. He's obsessed with me. It's why he reads. It's why he prays. It's why he lives. It's a love for God. Oh, just It's so shallow and empty to be in love with ministry and not be in love with God. I always go back to that story of Tim Hughes and wrote that song in the 90s. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And I love this story because it's so true for so many of us. And this is a man that found love with the lights and the, and the TVs and the, the, the travel and all of the things, the luxuries of ministry. And he said he had to sit down and stop leading worship. And out of the pain and agony of getting back to his heart right, he writes this song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I wonder if we can get back to the heart of ministry. Wow. This is a heart thing. Throw your heart into the things of God. Throw your heart into serving Jesus. This is not about head knowledge. This is not about duty. This is not about showing up. This is about our hearts being loyally committed to Jesus. And when you do that, I've never seen this verse before. I've never seen this verse until today. I was looking for that verse. I found David, a man after God's heart, and I put it in the Bible gateway. And search for it. And this one came up. And I I just, I have to share it tonight. Psalm, it says, I have found my servant David. I thought it was going to say a man after my own heart. But I've never seen this before. It said, I found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him. I've always heard, I found David a man after my own heart. But that's the first time. And I thought to myself, maybe David got this holy oil. Because God knew he could trust him with the oil. I, I, know, I, know, I know his heart is so good. He gets, he gets my special. He gets my holy anointing. Oh, the, the anointing of God. You can't purchase it. You can't buy it. It's not for sale. It won't be sold at the Zoe conference. You can't get it online. But God sees a heart and he goes, I'll, I'll anoint that. I'll anoint it with a holy oil. Anybody, you want that kind of anointing on your life? It, it takes a heart for God. Number nine, write, write this down. A, a, a faith. A faith. A, a great faith. Every Ten things every pastor needs. You need a faith. You need a faith. You need a faith. A faith that believes what has been can't compare to what's about to happen. A faith. I, I, the next book that I'm going to put out, will come out in November. We called it Faith Forward Future because I want every pastor and person to live this way. I got faith for tomorrow. I got faith that the best is yet to come. I got faith that God's about to do something. I, come on, Pastor. Let's let's be guilty of faith people. Yeah. Yeah. That people. Just, I, I remember years ago, uh, maybe five six years ago. Judah pre, uh, or he texted me this photo when Joseph Prince opened his new building in Singapore, and he 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 texted me this photo. And the photo of the building was just so. You got to Google it. It's the most beautiful church building maybe in, I've never seen for me personally. And when he when when. When I got, the, I got the photo before the text, when I saw the photo, I thought he was showing me, wow, look how amazing, that's, that's so cool. But the, but the text, when it came through, said, and I'm paraphrasing, may we, this is a charge, may we be guilty of having such audacious faith like this man. Wow. Hmm. Do the ministries that you're watching, do they inspire you to have great faith? Because yeah. yeah. if they're not, don't watch them. I'm talking about the, 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 the people that we're studying. I just, I want some of their faith. You dared. You, you took a risk. You dreamed. You sought to, you spoke things that didn't exist as though they did. Every pastor needs faith. I'll tell you what, people will rally around your faith. Faith is contagious. Faith people are different, aren't they? Faith people have a different attitude. They got the attitude of faith. They come back from the land, they go, we could take the land. Yeah. Everybody, everybody told Julie and I, you sure you want to go to L.A.? You know, this church and that church and these leaders and that pastors and, you you know, you got a sick daughter and you you." I got the attitude of faith. Shoot. I'm going off a vision and a word from God and I've got faith in a big God. I trust him. I've got confidence in him. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord. Come on. Somebody give God a shout tonight. If you believe you have faith in a big God. Faith in a God that can do signs, wonders, miracles. I heard Wendell Smith say years ago, faith is what honors God the most, and it's what God mostly honors. We honor God not just with our serving, but our belief in God. You are amazing. He can heal the sick. He can raise the dead. He can give you that building. He can give you the money that you need. What do you need? God can do it. Last one, number 10. And, and worship team that's not doing worship tonight can join me. <laughs> <laughs> Last one, number 10. You need a Sabbath. A Sabbath. And just, just give me keys for, just for a little bit. You guys can all come, but, but, but just play the keys for a little bit because we are going to do Q&A a little bit. But, but I just want to end with this one, you know, because we get all excited as pastors, don't we? I want that faith and we're sorry, We're going to do... And then, but you know what the reality is that if you don't have rest... You're not ready if you're not resting. And you got to just, I just love, God is so amazing. God shows us. He never tells us to do something that he won't do himself. So God says, I'll work six days and rest the seventh. For six days, I'll go hard, but I'm going to take one day off. Can I just ask you as a pastor and as a leader and as a shepherd, are you taking your Sabbath rest? Because isn't it interesting, most of us, we think this is a negotiable when it's really a commandment. We're like, oh, steal? Murder? What? I would never. Sabbath? Um, Ministry is very demanding, God. And it's for you, so you understand. God's like, no, 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 no. I want you, that's fine, work hard, serve six days. But on the seventh day, you should rest. Every every pastor needs, needs a Bible. Every pastor needs faith. Every pastor needs a word. But what if you got all nine of these things and you're just burning through seven days a week. Burning through. No rest. I'll tell you, you'll be one of those pastors that, you know, statistics will say that only one out of every four pastors will finish well. In our profession, 25% finish the race well. I wonder if, if it's because so many of us, we think we can get away with six days. Ah, uh, what's seven? You need a day that you do not work. You need a day that you go have fun and have hobbies and barbecue and laugh and watch on Instagram people doing CrossFit. Don't go, don't go. I'm not saying go. Like I wasn't saying go, I was just saying watch. There's justice on my day off, working out again. Way to go bro, 80 hour rule. I I, I just didn't want to like, hey, let's get into a frenzy of faith and not go like, hey, but yes, I just want to make sure that we're all in this for the long haul we're all in this going like, man, I I was so inspired tonight to watch you guys stand serving God for that many years. I'm inspired. I want to be someone that's around that I'm actually getting better in my forties and fifties and sixties and all the days of my life. I want to finish like Paul. I fought the good fight and I finished the race. Amen. We're uh, going to go into Q&A in just a moment, but let's just pray together over these things. Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, make these things true of us. Speak to us right now. God, we just anything uh, that we need that we haven't had, we ask right now. Point it out to us. Show us what it is. Teach us right now. And God, we vow, we commit our lives Lord, that we'll be well-rounded. Lord, that we'll represent you as shepherds of the flock. Lord, we're not going to let our heart grow cold. We're going to keep you as our first love. We love you more than life itself in Jesus' name. And we all said together, hey, come on, let's applaud and thank God one more time. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.